to another edition of Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. My name is Teresa Reed. I'm also known as the Tarot Lady. You can find me at www.thetarotlady.com. And my co-host is the very fabulous Bree Saucy. Bree, you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. And advance apologies for my croaky throat, um, as Teresa was saying before we started. I've been a little bit sick. But you can find me at milagroroots.com. Excellent. And could you spell that for those who are spelling oh, challenge? Oh, yes. Let me spell. I know. I put a Spanish word in my business name just to confuse everyone. So it's M-I-L-A-G-R-O roots, R-O-O-T-S dot com. I actually have somebody uh, asked me how to pronounce that, so we might as well spell it out. Milagro. 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 It's a miracle in Spanish. <laughs> yes. And speaking of miracle, we have a show that I think is going to be very miraculous yeah. for our listeners tonight. We are talking about something that I think is a hot-button issue for many of us who work in the metaphysical industry. Our show tonight, and I love the title of this show. Uh, I'd like to think okay. also that I'm really clever for coming up with it. <laughs> yeah, you, it's are, called, you are so clever. <laughs> it's called Up Yours, Raising Your Rates and Charging for Your Services. And tonight, we don't have a special guest because me and Bree are the guests. And this is a show that we think is super, super important. We both have a lot of thoughts about it. So um, I'm really excited about this one. Me too. You know, this is, we have been doing these shows since what, February of Mm -hmm. 2013? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've been doing this since February of 2013. And I think that, you know, this is one of the topics that first really brought us together because we were in, we were in groups together and we were like, hey, like you're a tarot reader who's in the money too. How interesting. Hello. Yes. (laughs) I want to get to know you. And it has been so wonderful working with you through this year, and I'm so excited about our lineup for next year. I think that it's going to be fabulous, but this topic is so near and dear both of our hearts, and so I'm really, really excited that we're going to talk about it tonight. I am too. And you know, Bree, we've had some really – amazing guests in this last year. We've talked about a lot of subjects that I think are really important. You know, we talked about pitching yourself with Diana Valentine. Uh, We talked about using video with Cher Ross. I mean, we've had just some amazing, amazing people on. So I've been so honored to work with you and work with all these guests. And I think there's been a common theme in a lot of these shows, though, that we've done, which is, has been about upping your game and yeah. really stepping into your professionalism in this industry and charging a fair rate and knowing how to raise your rates and all of that. This is so important for people who do the type of work we do or similar types of work that we do. It's so, so true. You know, I was thinking of... of my favorite highlights, and I loved all of the ones that you mentioned, of course, and I loved Fabeku, um when he talked about the willingness to be seen, and yeah. I was thinking about how that relates to what we charge. Yes. You know. Well, why don't we, why don't we begin by talking about how to set a rate. Tell me what you 
use to determine how you set your rate. I think if we give some examples of how we've like charged and raised our rates over the years, I think that might give people some food for thought about them how they're doing their business, especially if they're not charging yet or just thinking about going pro. What did you yeah. do to determine your rates? Where did how did you come up with what you were doing? So I learned a lot about money by doing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first, you know, the first round. Um, when I first started out, I charged what everybody else was charging. You know, like because I, I didn't even it was it didn't even occur to me that that was a possibility. And then I started getting booked, and one month turned into two months, and two months turned into three months. And a really good friend of mine who worked in finance um, on Wall Street said, okay, here's the deal. There's one question that you need to answer for yourself when it comes to charging. And he was like, everything else will come together if you can answer this one question. So I was like, yes, it's the holy grail. What is it? And he was like, what is your time worth? Mm-hmm. And I was like, crap, I don't know what my time is. What is my time worth? But I have used that since he told me that I have used that as the guiding principle and I find it really much more helpful than throwing out a number because mm-hmm. at different points in my life my time has been worth different amounts mm-hmm. you know like now that I have a two-year-old and I'm writing more and I'm teaching more my time for readings is really precious, right? It's very valuable. So my reading rates are quite a bit higher than many other people's who I think are like amazing readers. But it's not a reflection of where I am versus where they are. It's a reflection of where the readings are as opposed to all of the other work that I'm responsible for. So that has really served me so well as I have changed my prices and I've changed my prices a lot since I've mm-hmm. started. You know, I've I've gotten rid of offerings and I've gone I've like on a couple offerings I've like doubled what I charge and so I've done quite a bit of finessing and I think that it's I think that you're always doing that because you know these things are moving targets like mm-hmm. there are all there are variables that come up. You know, when I started out I had no kids. Mm-hmm. I was living in a very inexpensive apartment. It was my needs were really different. Right. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, uh when I uh, just like you when I started out with my business and charging the very notion of charging was really a squeamish thing for me. I didn't know what to charge. I didn't, you know, what do you charge for this? And, and I had people that were wanting, were like pretty much throwing money at me, <laughs> you know, like making it rain. They wanted me to, they wanted to pay me. It was really uh, scary. It was exciting. It was flattering. It was like humbling. It was always, you know, I had thoughts too. What if, what if I charge too much? What if I don't charge enough? I had a lot of anxiety when I first began my business and, so what I did is I did like you did, and I looked around and saw what the going rate was for my area. And yeah. then here's here's where I really thought wrong in the beginning. I started charging less than the other readers that were already mm-hmm. established because I thought, well, you know, 
I'm new, uh, I'm new to this industry, uh, you know, I don't want to come off like I'm highfalutin, you know, all these really crazy negative thoughts about it. And yeah. it's just because at that stage, you know, that's where my head was at. It wasn't in a really good place. I was young. I had a lot of insecurity around it. Uh, also because I didn't know what I was doing with business. That was another thing that had me all with my knickers in a twist. So there was a lot of anxiety for me about setting that rate. So I ended up uh, really undercharging. And what I also was doing then was this. I would say the readings are a half hour, but if we need longer, we'll we'll take as long as we need to. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yes. So what would end up happening then is you would have people that would come in and they're like, well, we want to split the hour. And it would be two people paying for two half-hour readings, but you know what I mean, not paying yeah. for that and, and basically paying for 15. It was all convoluted. It's because I was not valuing my time at all, and I was getting very burnt out. Of course, I was doing a lot of work because I was the best deal in town. And finally, what ended up happening is I one day was taking my son to his drum lessons. My son is a musician, and he had a really awesome drum teacher, and uh, I brought my son there for the lesson, and he had uh, just raised his rates, and he raised them quite a bit. And I remember when he was sitting there telling me this, I was freaking out. And, of course, the drum instructor saw that I was flipping out, and he said, you know, well, he said, you know, just so you know, the lessons are free. It's my time that you're paying for, and I value my time very much. And that's ah. where that's where I clicked. I clicked in the back of my skull, and I'm like, you know what? My time is valuable. I have these two children. I've got all these demands for readings. I've got a household to run. I've got cats to take care of. I've got parents I'm helping out. And that's when I started getting serious, and I started bumping up my rates. And I also started really managing my time. So no more were these readings that turn into an hour, hour and a half, and you're only paying this small little fee. I really started getting serious about having a living wage, that felt comfortable for me, that also showed that I respected my time and my skills and the expertise that I was bringing to the table when I was dealing with my clients. That's when I started really recognizing that ultimately what people are paying for, it's not even like the service. It's really the time that I'm putting into learning and growing my skills and being there and studying business and setting up the space for them. They're paying for my time. That's how I got real clear about my rates. And you know, Bree, for me, I've raised my rates very slowly over the years. And mm-hmm. the reason why I've raised them slowly over the years is I'm also very aware of my market here for my local clients. Milwaukee is a very blue-collar city. It is a city that people are more conservative here. So I've raised my rates very conservatively over the year. So in the area that I live in, my rates are considered a little higher because mm-hmm. – you know, I've been doing this a long time, but it's still always raised very, very slowly and consciously. So yeah. my rate was determined by really starting to value my time, just like you. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think that that's really, you know, that is the key. And I, I'm so glad that you mentioned the undercharging because that is something that I see a lot. I, You know, somebody comes in, they're new, and and they they come in and you know they charge five dollars ten dollars less mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. than whatever the going rate is, you know, the average going rate. Right. And, you know, I think that it's such an interesting thing that's going on when we when we undercharge. You know, one thing that happens is a lot, I, I've seen this, I've never been upset when somebody's undercharged, you know. I've I've always thought, well, that's awesome because I know that there are people who can't afford me who will go to that person. Yeah. But I have seen seasoned workers and seasoned professionals get very annoyed by that because they feel like they're getting undercut by mm-hmm. newer competition. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I think we don't talk about when it comes to undercharging is the way that it can be misinterpreted mm-hmm. and and kind of start you off on the wrong foot with your colleagues. Right. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's really, something that really, I have seen. Yeah. I've seen it numerous times, and you know, it's like it's totally never intentional. But people who have been in the business for a long time, you know, I've seen them get very annoyed mm-hmm. by this, and and sort of like, you know, okay, great, well, thanks, thanks for that, <laughs> right? And yeah, uh, and, you know, but it does come. I think that it comes from exactly what you said, which is. Coming in and feeling like you know, well, I'm I'm brand new, so like I couldn't possibly charge what the master teacher charges or what you know this person who's been doing this for 20 years charges. Like that right. would be that wouldn't be appropriate. Right, right. You know, I I sometimes come across people who who have that mindset too, and. One thing that I like to remind people when they say that to me, especially if it's someone I'm mentoring, uh, is I'm not a master. I've been at this yeah. game a long time, but you know what? I don't master tarot. Tarot masters me. So I, I don't yeah. like to have that mindset that, gee, uh, you know, I've been at this 30 years. I'm like the god of tarot. I've actually met people who are new to tarot who are damn good readers. And yeah. I always like to say the best reading I ever got in my life for, was from a guy who doesn't even do it for a living. and He was just amazing. Uh, you know, so that whole idea about someone's doing it longer and therefore they should charge more, that's not something that we we don't want to go into that headspace because that leads to something else, this thing of charging what you're worth. Have you heard people yes. saying that? Yes. Uh, yeah, this is like, this is one of these things that, like, it's it's so popular right now, this whole charge what you're worth. Your yeah. or somehow your value is being demonstrated in your pricing. <laughs> yeah, and 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 here's the thing: I I hate it when coaches use that. Uh, don't get me wrong; I love many coaches, and yeah, I've had some very good ones over the years. But when you use that terminology, that charge what you're worth, it really wraps up a lot of self-esteem crap in there. And, again, I like to get back to that idea that we're charging for our service. We're charging for our time, not charging for what I'm worth as a human being or what I think I'm worth. I don't like that terminology at all. Well, for one thing, I mean, from from my vantage point, you know, if that were the case, then I would be priceless. So, <laughs> exactly. me. you know, um, but, yes, I, I totally agree with you again I think that it also, I think this whole idea of charging what you're worth, charging what, getting a sense of what your time is worth is one thing. The idea of charging what you are worth is weird to me, not only for the self-esteem issues that you brought up, but also because many of us do different things. 
you know, like some of us do a half-hour reading and then an hour reading. Some of us do an astrology chart. You know, doing an astrology chart for an hour is a very different animal than reading cards for an hour. Right. Right? And reading with Lenormand is a different animal than reading with Tarot. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, doing ritual work for an hour is a very different thing than doing an intuitive reading for someone. And mentoring is different. So, I mean, we're also providing different services, and charge what you're worth does not help me at all. When, I agree. When we've got several different things on the table that we're doing. There's an article that Tara Gentili wrote. I love Tara Gentili. She is uh, wonderful. And if you guys have not checked out her stuff, I highly recommend it. She is so smart. I always say <laughs> this is one smart cookie. Tara Gentili knows business very well. Uh, her website's at taragentili.com. That's T-A-R-A-G-E-N-T-I-L-E.com. And if you type in Tara Gentili Worth, she wrote an article called Stop Trying to Charge What You're Worth. And it's a really great article. And when I saw that article, uh, you know, it really kind of clicked with me because it's like, yes, I hate that statement. I do not like I'm going to charge what I'm worth. And she writes in it, and one of the things she says is what you said, is that you are priceless. Your work is not. And she writes to this, there's really no way to quantify what you're worth because you can't measure the value of your precious life. However, skills, products, and services are quantifiable. <laughs> You've yeah. got to love that way of thinking. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. It's just really smart. And I think when we get the self-esteem out of it uh, and all that, because, you know, again, that goes right back to the anxiety. What was I thinking when I was first trying to come up with rates? I had all this stupid anxiety, like, oh, my God, uh, I'm new to the game. And, and no, 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 no. You know, once that drum teacher got my brain going in the right direction, I got over all that stuff. And then it was, again, more about my precious time. And I think that was such a really important mind shift for me. So that yes, I could. and you know, and I love what you said also about being in Milwaukee. You take walk-in clients, mm-hmm. and well, so, no, I don't take walk-in. They still got to make an appointment. Oh, they have to make an appointment. Okay, <laughs> but you take clients in person, so you're also, you know, you're very sensitive to what your local market can and will pay right. for a reading. And right. you know, I mean, like like any service, there is. There, there are natural caps, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to pay twenty dollars for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. You, you will probably pay between five and maybe even seven, but not twenty. Most people are not. Maybe right. a few people would. Um, but and I think that that's really important. You know, there, there is, there does need to be an awareness of what the people around you, of what your market, your audience. Mm-hmm can afford and what they can pay. You know, and I've seen that work on a lot of different levels. You know, to use myself as an example, I have done other businesses that had nothing to do with tarot, nothing to do with coaching or any any intuitive work. Um, And I've seen, you know, when we raised our prices, we got – um, people that were more that were more invested in the products that we were selling at the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's I mean, pricing is interesting, and there's a way that you can 
you have to be aware of what people of what the upper limits are that people can pay but i think you also need to not necessarily lowball yourself um or assume right. that you know your people would only pay this much you know some of my best clients wouldn't go to somebody who charged a certain amount mm-hmm. like a low amount you know they they are looking for someone who charges this or more for right. the service that they're offering Right. And and I and you know, and so there is there's like there needs to be an awareness on a lot of different levels and part of what the work that you have to do is stuff we've talked about in other shows, which is figuring out who you want to serve, you know, who it is that you're really reaching out to with whatever it is that you do. Right. It's about knowing your audience and knowing uh not just who you're serving, but again what people are willing to pay. Right, because if you're if you love working with like the college crowd, you just have to know that they don't have money, exactly. you know. And so like you can't, you're just you you know you can't have hugely expensive prices, and you're probably going to be looking at doing more like volume work with with right. a crowd like that, you know. Like you you just have to know that. Whereas if you're working with business people. Um, you know, and they think of you the way that they think of, like, their acupuncturist or their therapist, mm-hmm. then your rates need to reflect that reality. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, we got a question in from Mama Rue. Uh, she's from Chicago. And this is Hello, Mama question. Rue. Yes, uh, I love that name, too, Mama I Rue. Too. I do, too. It sounds mysterious. Yes. And the question is, and and this is a really good question, is what about the guidebooks that advise new readers to set their rates lower than established readers? And my thoughts on that are there's nothing wrong with that advice. You know, when you're first starting out, you might feel, again, that's what I did in the beginning. My mind was coming from a place of anxiety, so that that wasn't a good point. But if you're just starting and, you know, maybe you're offering like a special discount or something, like I'm new, I'm trying to establish myself, I think doing that for a little while until you really get your momentum and start feeling comfortable uh, by, by having a client base, there's something wrong with that. I don't see that as a bad thing. So I don't look at that like, oh, my God, that's terrible advice. Uh, really, you have to feel that out to see if that feels right. And if you have anxiety behind it like I did, then you need to really rethink that strategy. I think that's I think that's totally right. And what I would say about my own experience with this is that I really, I hate doing things on the cheap so to speak. Mm -hmm. I like giving away things for free or I like charging a rate that I feel really good about. Mm -hmm. I felt when I was doing readings for $60 an hour, I felt absolutely energetically depleted. When Mm -hmm. I was doing readings for $100 an hour, I felt absolutely energetically depleted. Mm -hmm. Now I do readings for $150 for a session. Mm -hmm. I don't time it. Mm -hmm. Typically they go between an hour and an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And I love it. But, I mean, so you really want to find your sweet spot, and it goes back to what is your time worth. Right. So I would say, like, I'm not a fan of guidebooks, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> well, so, but can I, I just say one thing? When I was first starting out, there were no guidebooks. Yes. Do you know I would have <laughs> given my IT to have a guidebook because I had to wing it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So the yeah. fact that there's guidebooks and there's information on the web and there's shows like this, 
agree. We are really living in a great age for people who are starting metaphysical businesses because oh my God, it's so true. there it's is so, information, so true. and it's like, yes, I like the fact that Mama Ru is getting information. That's yes. great. Um, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I would just say, like, you're an intuitive, so you want to do a gut check. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, when, when books, like, want to tell you kind of how to charge, I always tend to look at that very suspiciously because, you know, I want my prices to feel like a really good jacket. I want to feel, I want to feel protected by them. Mm-hmm. I want to feel super comfortable in them. I do not want to feel like I'm, really stretching and strenuously exerting and not being nurtured in return, especially in this type of work. I right. think that's super important. Well, money is an energy. It's that's an energy. It. You know, the money itself has no value. It's an energy. It's about, again, exchanging something for something that you're getting. So that's exactly it's right. An energy. Uh, I think that question, though, that Mama Rue asked, you know, again, about new readers setting their rates lower than established readers, again, feel it out, feel if that feels right for you, and make sure you're not doing it from a place of anxiety, and then, you know, raise your rates accordingly as you go along. I want to I ask you a different question, though, Bree. What do you Bring think it. about what happens when people overcharge? You know, Because yes. once in a while, I see people, they're just starting out, or they're thinking, gee, I'm not getting a lot of business. I think I'm going to raise my rates. That might help. And I'm like, wait, what, huh? Yes. What about yes. when people are charging so much that there's no business coming <clears throat> in? So what I, what, when I get pissed off about overcharging is, is when I buy something and the price sort of leads me to have this expectation, right? Like my expectation is up here. And then the reality falls far below that. Uh You know, because I'm a reasonable person. I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a pie-in-the-sky kind of person. I have a good sense of what $200, $500, $1,000 should be giving me in terms of product, product satisfaction. And so for me, the the overcharging really is wrapped up in the overpromising and the underdelivering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's like that's the more like uh, high-minded response. Obviously, like another problem is if you're overcharging to such a point that um, that you that you're not getting clients, right? Because they're like, "But well, no, I'm not going to pay that much." Right. If you're not getting clients at the rates that you're at, <laughs> you might have to check. Before, you might have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? That's yeah. what I get. Yeah, it's especially all about, if you're on the high end. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah. You got to really feel that out. It's not a good strategy then to raise your rates if you don't have any clients coming in the door. That's not necessarily going to make people perceive your uh, stuff as being more valuable. And, and, you know, this is another, I don't know about you, but this is another bias I've seen in a lot of coaching is this idea of you should raise your rates. You're, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have seen coaches who, like, before a person even says what their rates are, they're like, oh, they're too low. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's so interesting because, again, it's like, well, they're too low based on what? I mean, you know, for this person, for where they are in their life, you know, we've talked about this too, this 
whole idea of like the six figure salary mm-hmm. is is such a big theme in in some of the circles that we run in. And it's you know, it's like if that's what you want, if that's what you need, but right. you know, what kind of a benchmark is that? I mean, I think that a really big important thing with pricing is don't let other people set your benchmarks. You set your benchmarks. You ask yourself what feels good, what feels right. You ask yourself what feels fair. Mm-hmm. And and you ask yourself what your time is worth and, and you know what you need. You know how much money you need to right. to live. You know you know what your expenses are. So so that you know, that those are the variables that we work with. Not this idea of, oh, it has to be X amount of figures or right. I'm not legit. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting that the six figure uh, income that everybody's striving for that and I do like to tell people especially when they're new in business let's not go there yet let's not yes. get so hung up on that six figures that you're measuring your success or what you perceive your lack of success because you're not receiving a hundred thousand dollars a year maybe for some people fifty thousand is enough maybe thirty thousand find out what you need to live comfortably figure that number out before you start Setting the and let me tell you so there's nothing wrong with having a huge goal of wanting to make a million dollars a year. I'm all totally for that. not, totally not. We are so down for that here. I'm, but I'm also a very super practical gal, and not everybody wants that or needs that. We don't need to feel that we have to do that just because everybody else says that's what they want to make. That's right. So it's perfectly fine if your goal is let's just say let's pretend this is definitely not my goal. Let's say your goal is to make I want to make twenty thousand a year doing tarot. Yes. Uh, of course, I want to make a lot more than that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but if that's somebody's goal, that is a reasonable totally. goal. And you can then sit down and really work with that number to figure out how many hours you want to work, how many clients you want to see, and then go from there to also figure out your rate. That's perfectly fine. And that's a, that's actually a beautiful way for for anyone to start. You know, yeah. a, a lot of times I come across uh, students or I come across people who want to start their own business and it's like they want to go from zero to full time and that's I don't know how you started Teresa but that's definitely not the way that I started you know I started very part-time and Mm -hmm. then gradually more part-time and it was really a full year before I decided to try it as Mm -hmm. a full-time work and and then it worked out really beautifully and it has ever since I've been very blessed but you know I did not go from zero to 60. No, and for me, you know, when I started out my business, and I've been in business a long time now, initially before I even became legit, I was reading in bars and I was getting tips. Totally. I read in college. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was a bartender, you know. Totally. And I was making more money from those tarot readings I was doing at the bar than I was from slinging drinks. And that's when it really started clicking that, you know, I can make a living doing this. And when it got to a point where, you know, my workdays were loaded up with people coming in for readings instead of drinks, I knew that something had to give. I I couldn't do this. Uh, You know, so I decided I wanted to then take a chance and see if I could do it. And my husband was very supportive. And, you know, my beginnings, I wasn't making, like, tons of money right off the bat, but I was making a living and I was able to do just tarot. But I transitioned into that from reading at bars. And when I started doing this as a full-time living, I still did one night a week at a bar 
to keep meeting new clients and giving people mm-hmm. a sample of what I do. And it was always a guarantee that I was going to make good money that night. And then eventually I was able to leave the bars. And then I was doing a lot of tarot parties. And that was another wonderful way of, you know, meeting new clients and getting myself out there and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then there came a point where I really started working on developing my website. And when the website started really then transitioning my income again up another level, then I stopped doing the parties. And now it's like I do the work on my terms. But, you know, this has been a slow developing process. It wasn't just me quitting one day and I'm making six figures. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And like I, I said, it's really important for for people, newcomers, seasoned professionals, like everybody needs to remember that. Yeah, I mean, we no, not all of us are able to start out with all that money, and there is nothing wrong with that. And, and again, when I was undercharging in the beginning, there was a lot of anxiety, and we have a question about that. Uh, Lisa Wickline, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, she's calling in from St. Charles, and she sent this question in. How do you overcome the inferiority complex when setting pricing in any business in comparison to others who are practicing this or any business much longer with more time invested in serving? That's a good question. What do you think about that one, Bree? So I think that there are people out there who will respond so much more beautifully to what you have to tell them than what I have to tell them, (laughs) even if we tell them the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we all have had this experience. Like, you go, you know, you uh, I will use the example of a breakup. Like, you break up with a guy and you go to your mom and she's like, yeah, he was terrible for you. And you're like, screw you, mom. You never understood anything anyway. And then you go to, like, your best girlfriend and she was like, yeah, I never liked him. And you're like, whatever, don't talk to me. And then, like, you see your sister three weeks later, and she's like, oh, he was such a dick. You're like, yeah, he was. And, you know, why did you hear it then and not before? Why did you hear it from that person and not somebody else? Who who knows the answer to these things? But what I do know, what I have seen again and again is that, you know, comparing yourself to somebody else is just, it's deadly. Like mm-hmm. you can you can watch people who you admire, see what they do well, you know, work to work to emulate that in your own unique way to bring that into your life. I think we all learn by imitation. I think that totally is okay as long as you're not copying, but you're you're right. really making it your own. But you have to remember that you have a unique you have a unique manner of delivery. You have a unique being that is going to resonate with a group of people, and those are your people. And mm-hmm. so, it doesn't like it doesn't matter. The inferiority really should not come into play, and and that's true no matter what you do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like why do you why do we like one sales girl at a shop as opposed to another? You know, I mean, like, you see, we do this all of the time. You know, there's somebody who's just on your frequency, right. and that's the person who, who you can really jam with. And so that is, that's how I would say you get around that whole inferiority thing, is you remember, you recollect that you have people that you are here to serve. Right. And it's not about, 
are you like me or are you like her or are you as smart or are you as as well-traveled or are you as well-taught as X, Y, Z? Who cares? Your people don't care. They just want you. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the statements that I love is called compare and despair. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm speaking from experience because when I started out, I had a lot of anxiety about charging a rate. And I was looking around, what are, and you know, back in the day, there weren't that many readers here. So there was a very small pool, and there still is a very small pool locally, uh, where I had to like, kind of like look around, see what they were doing, and, and it ended up creating more anxiety for me. And I find that when I just was focusing on my own grind and raising the rates based on how I felt, rather than what I thought logically I should be doing, uh, I actually overcame that inferiority. And, you know, after I've been at it a long time, too, and I've got clients now who've been with me for ever and ever and ever, uh, I've got such wonderful clients. I'm so absolutely blessed. I mean, every day I'm like, wow, I get to work with these people. You know, that helps you to get over the inferiority. It's the service. It's the working with these fantastic people. And I even have some people that I I adore because they'll come in and say, you need to raise your rates. And when I have my clients, my really regulars telling me that, you know, then I know that, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm working out just fine. And there's no inferiority complex then. You know, let your clients experience. Let that be what gets your vibe going that helps you to work through that inferiority crap. You make yourself nuts if you do if you're comparing yourself with others. And you know, one place <coughs> where I really see this right now is with the numbers, right? Like on yeah. Facebook or on Twitter. Like there it's awesome if you have like great numbers like Teresa has amazing numbers. And that is so awesome and well done and rock on. But remember, you don't know where they started. You don't Absolutely. know where that person is. Teresa's been online for a hell of a long time. Like, she's put in her dues. And, like, don't let those things trip you up. They they mean right. as much as you let them mean. Right on. And that's a really good point because, we, you know, it's not just about the charging rates, but people sometimes get really hung up with this SEO and, you know, how yes. many likes do I have on my Facebook page, how many Twitter followers, how many people are on my newsletter, or, oh, my God, that person's getting so many hits on their site. Stop looking at that stuff. Just do yeah. your grind. Just do yeah. your service. That's it. That's it. Focus on your customer's experience and get out of that number crap. And, you know, there's also a lot of people, though, who are out there and they're telling people, you know, it's all about the size of your list. Oh, I stuff. know. They're I know. creating anxiety. Yes. So don't, don't listen, listen to, to people. people. Yeah. You want to listen to people who make you feel supported and empowered to right. do your work. And, and also who are going to give you permission, to give yourself permission to do what feels right for your business. Yes. So, yes. And I want to touch on really quickly, before we move on, I want to touch on something that you said, Teresa, which is, you know, really loving and honoring your clients. That is another awesome way to deal with inferiority. Because yes. when you make somebody feel like they are – the center of your universe, like like you're from your first client to like your 500th client to your 5,000th client. Like if you can do that, you will feel so good. Like I I end every day feeling so good because my clients make me feel so good, even when they're going through rough stuff. You know, like I love them, and I think that that's a huge 
um, hugely like underrated thing about our business is that mm-hmm. you know you can you can really make somebody feel amazing in the time that you spend with them, and that makes you feel so good. Absolutely, and you know what? If you're having these great vibe experiences, if you're really helping people, and if your focus is on service, you'll make all the money you need to make. You'll make all the money you want to make. When you really pour love and care into your client's experience and you're really there for them and you're super present, I mean, that is that is what's going to determine ultimately how much money you make, not what your price tag is. That's it, yes. So the one thing I want to talk about, too, that I think is really um, smart advice is having multiple price options to serve various markets. Because I know that you offer email readings, and then you do uh, you, you know other types of readings, and you do your ritual services. Yeah. Uh, you have higher end packages and mentoring, and I've got you know a whole bunch of things like that too. I mean, people can get a very inexpensive email reading, or if they want to get more involved, they can get a half hour reading. Uh, I think that this is a really good strategy for people who are in metaphysical businesses. Uh, if we have multiple price options, that does give people, more people, an opportunity to work with you. What do you think about that? I, I totally agree. I, I, I just absolutely, you know, I think that having, you know, again, you want to, you want to think about who it is that you're serving and you want to think about their range and you know you, you i think of my offerings as sort of like levels of intimacy so mm-hmm. when somebody like with my miracle tree students the miracle tree sessions is a year and a day course that i teach it is the most expensive thing that i that i offer it's actually like an incredible value as all my students will tell you but it is pricey and and I am so committed to those girls. Like, mm-hmm. actually, in 2014, we're going to have our first guy. I'm so excited. But Ooh. I'm so committed to them. I love them. And I'm just, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm very open with them. We're very, very close to each other. Um, they're my students, but I consider all of them friends. I consider all of them my teachers as well. Um, I think that, you know, and, and then you have, I have people, as you do, Teresa, that, you know, you don't even know who they are. They should, they buy an email reading, they tell you what's going on, and you send them their reading. And so the transaction is a lot less as far as your time and your intensity goes. But it's lovely to have those different levels because, you know, not everybody is ready to, like, jump into bed with you. And that's totally cool. Like, that's okay. Right and on. I think I think it's really appropriate to have – um, different levels of, of offerings, and, and you know, we put different amounts of energy into the different things that we do. So again, it kind of circles back to that: what is your time worth? Mm-hmm. Question, you know. Right. So let me ask you this then. Now, we we you've mentioned that you've raised your rates a few times. Yeah. Uh, so what is your process for raising your rates? What is a way? that you would recommend doing it that honors you and honors your clients? So what I did, the last significant rate raise I had was at the end of the summer going into September. On September 1st, some of my offerings changed dramatically. There were a few things that were eliminated altogether. And there were several things that went significantly up in price. Mm -hmm. 
And so what I did, I, I, I really liked the way that I did this, and I had a wonderful response from all of my people. I sent out an email newsletter to all of my clients in July, mm-hmm. telling them that these changes were going to go into effect and telling them that there would be a specific section of the website that that all of my old clients would have access to that would have offerings that were not available to the general public, and letting them know what the price changes would be, letting them know that the prices would go into effect on September 1st. So again, I sent this out at the beginning of July. And then giving them a two-month window where they could purchase anything they wanted at the price it was at that point in time, at the lower price, and that I would book them through 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, So if they wanted to purchase 12 readings at the price that they were, I would book them through 2014 with those. And so I gave them two months of lead time. I had a lot of people take me up on the offer and buy things at the old price. And then when the prices went up, I, I heard no complaints. I had no issues. And I have clients that have been with me from the very beginning when my prices were at the low, their lowest, mm-hmm. and they've never left me. They've, they've totally continued to stick by me. I'm so thankful for that, and it's just more proof that I have the best clients ever. And, and it worked out really beautifully. I think that the thing is is that if you're going to raise your prices, you want to be really clear on why you're doing it. I was super right. clear on why I was doing it because I was being asked to teach more and I was being asked to write more for publication. So I needed to create time to do those things. Right. And you should convey that to your audience if it's appropriate. And it was totally appropriate for me to let my people know about that. And then give people lead time. I think that when problems come up is when people go to the website and it was like, whoa, I was here yesterday, and this was like half the price. And now right. it's totally like doubled. So I think that's when people get angry. I think if you give people lead time and you're clear on your why, you know, it's not just this arbitrary, oh, I think I want to make $50 more, but, you know, I'm doing it for this very specific reason, mm-hmm. then people respond really beautiful. People get it. It's business, you know. Supplies go up cost of yeah. doing business goes up. I think people totally understand that. I've never run into anyone who's had a problem, and every now and then somebody wants to do something with me, and they say, your prices are too high, and I tell them I'm so sorry, and I recommend people who are in lower yep. price that I that I like. You know, so that's, that's part of it, too. You won't be the right fit for everyone. Absolutely. But I think the... I think that the advance notice is crucial. What about you, Teresa? Have you raised your prices? I raise my rates very, very slowly. So I'm, this is my old school way. Uh, you know, and I've got a lot of elderly clients too, so I yeah, can't just double yeah. my rates and say, hey, um, sorry, Marge, <laughs> you're going to pay yes, twice as much yes. now. So my rates over the years have always been raised very slowly. I usually don't, I usually wait about three years before I raise them. So I'm very conservative with how I raise them. And, you know, and I've got, I've had coaches and, and people that I've worked with that think I'm nuts and think I need to, you know, double my rates and charge a lot more. And I love them for giving me that advice, but I know my audience really well. 
And yeah. I know my clients. Yeah. I've got people who've been coming to me for over 20 years. And, you you know, I found that the slow rate increase has been something that's been more comfortable for them. Again, totally. for me, it's always about my client's experience. But what I have learned is that not everybody likes it. I had one lady once who, um, God, she got a reading from me once. And then she called, like, I, don't, I think it was like three years later and wanted a reading. And I told her what the new rates were. And she got really angry. Oh, and I said, funny. excuse me, are, are you upset that I raised my rates? Because I am now, and she got really mad. She expected <sighs> me to be charging the same thing that I had charged years ago. So, you know, there's going to be people who don't like it. And even if you're doing it conservatively like I do, there are going to be people that you don't like it. But like you do, what I've learned is giving a lot of advance notice. I've been letting people know in my email newsletters now for uh, a couple of months that the prices are going up January 1st. Mm-hmm. So they're getting notice. And I'm going to be putting a note also right on the payment page at the beginning of December to give another, you know, a little fair warning. Yeah. Uh, and actually, Ashley Amberger from the middlefingerproject.org wrote a post called How to Raise Your Rates for 2014. And she's saying this very, this very same thing that we're seeing. Uh, one of the tips she says is, let them know well in advance and set the expectation ahead of time. Don't wait for the client to email you in March and then spring a rate increase on them. Then yeah. the client will get snarly. I love that. And she's right on. People, you know what, what, since I've been announcing it now for a couple of months, people are very conscious. I have people who've been buying a whole bunch of readings now to get locked in uh, at the price, you know, before it increases. And I just have people also who are very conscientious and they ask, um, what will it be going up to? You know, so as long as they got the notice, they're okay with that. They're okay with it. Yeah. I got really bad. Here's some bad business advice I got, and I really want to pass this on to the people who are listening tonight. So years ago, I uh, I knew this guy. He was a psychic, and he was a pretty amazing psychic too. And he would not um, raise rates for his regular clients. So he would say, just grandfather them in at the old rate and just raise mm. rates for new clients. So this was early on in my career. So I started doing that, and that ended up being one of the biggest mistakes ever. Because after a couple of years, suddenly I have these people coming in, paying these old rates that are like eight years old, and then I have new people coming in. And then if they're coming in together, then there's an issue. It ended up being a hot mess. It ended up being a hot mess, and uh, I would find that these people then who got grandfathered in were really super resistant to paying more. They then wanted uh, they wanted me to commit and over deliver and I mean it, it got kind of ugly there, so yeah. I don't agree with that. When you're going to raise your rates, what you might want to do for regular clients is give them the little secret page or give them like yeah. a coupon or something that they can use to transition over. You know when when I found myself in that mess, then it ended up I I finally had to announce to people the rates are going up for everybody, and there were a few clients who were paying nineteen. <laughs> 1992 rates <laughs> that yeah. weren't happy and they went away and found somebody that would pay those, you know, that they could pay those kind of rates for. And that was fine because I had no problem attracting people who had no issue with my rates. That's it. So do That's not grandfather the rates. Let's talk also about discounting and bartering since we're talking yes. about grandfathering rates. This is a hot topic and there's a tarot reader 
named Beth Owl's daughter who wrote a fabulous post, and I can't remember what the post is, but it's a post about what she calls the purple ghetto, how a lot of people who work in spiritual and metaphysical industries will barter away all of their work, so they're basically not making any money. I love her, first of all. I love Beth Owl's daughter. She's just awesome. And she's right. (laughs) (laughs) Also, how do you feel about bartering? How do you feel about discounting? Well, you know, so it's interesting. So a lot of my work is intuitive, but then I also do ritual work. And in the world of ritual work, in the world of root work, bartering is a traditional method of payment, right? I mean, because this work has been around, like, way before we had a paper money economy. Right. So it was like, here, I bring you chickens, you give me a good luck charm for better health, and we call it even. And I know workers, I know old workers in the Deep South who still work primarily on a barter system. It's awesome for them. Like, they love it. You know, they don't have to go grocery shopping, and their people don't have, you know, they're not, they're, they're not money rich, but they have resources that the other person needs. So I think that it can work really beautifully. I think that you, what you have to be aware of are the same things that Teresa talked about um, with, with pricing. You know, like if you're doing a trade with somebody and you start to feel that pinch feeling or that mm-hmm. anxiety feeling or those little, like, bubbles of resentment, mm-hmm. that's when, you know, something is coming in and saying this doesn't feel equitable. Right. You know, this does not feel good. I do not, I, you know, I, I do not do trade in kind. I do not do bartering. Um, I do it with a few family members. I do it with some really close friends. I have a couple of colleagues that we have open door policies with one another. Like you can do anything that I do, anything I teach or anything I organize. Like you're, you can do it for free and they do the same thing for me. But by and large, you know, with especially because my business is primarily online, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's, it's, I pay people for their services. I expect them to pay me for mine. I'm a Libra. I like everything fair. And I think that it gets very, fun, you know, it can get very, very tricky when you're bartering with yes. someone. You really have to have a good relationship with them. Uh, the kind of relationship where you could say very honestly, well, I don't really think that this crocheted pillow is worth an hour-long session of my mm-hmm. time. I love you so much, but no. Right. <laughs> and, and be okay with that. You know, and if you can't do that, then you probably should not be bartering with them. Uh, what I found when I was uh, also first starting out my business is that I would have a lot of massage therapists oh, that yes. wanted to barter. Yes, and I don't like having point. everybody touch me. Yes. And I ended up getting massages, like uh, here I am again, like a dummy, uh, from people that I was not comfortable with. And finally I was like, i got to stop doing this because I don't want to be touched by everybody in town. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I just don't barter. I don't do it because usually the people who want to barter with me are massage therapists. And I love getting a massage, but I have my massage therapist. I, and I pay them. I give them money. I feel better about it. Yeah, I do too. I, I also think that sometimes I think that the whole, the, again, there's a place for it, 
But I also think sometimes it's an escape mechanism to not deal with money. Right. You know, it's easier I agree. to barter than to say, well, no, this is what the rate is, and that you know, and um, this is this is what the rate is. <laughs> Right, I agree. I think again, it's a, it's an exchange of energy, and I always want to think when I'm going to get my hair done, or getting a massage, or getting a reading from somebody that I like. You know, it's always about I respect their time, I respect their talents, their skills, and I want to pay them. I want to yeah. pay them. A lot of times, I want to tip them too. You know, so I love being able to show my appreciation by paying them for their skills. And well, you I, know, this this brings up. Uh, something that I think is really important to mention in the last couple minutes, which is that a lot of times when we see our friends go into business, you know, there's the there's the inclination to, or mm-hmm. even students, right, that we've taught or or that we've mentored or whoever, there's there's an inclination to be like, oh hey, like give me a deal on that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my attitude on that is that if it's somebody that you love, it's somebody that you care about, it's somebody that you're close to. Like, those are the people that you're like, let me pay you double. Yes. You know, let me, like, really do anything that I can to totally, totally support you. So, you know, I think that we collectively, this goes way beyond just the metaphysical industry, need to adjust our attitude about that. When it's somebody that you love, like, you want to give them as much help as you possibly can. You know, you're bringing up a point, too, that gets right down to the heart of it. It's really about love. That's it. When we love our work and we love our clients and we love ourselves and we love the people that service us, when we focus on love, we're going to nail the price right every single time. Beautiful. Really down to. Beautiful. So um, I cannot believe we've been at this almost an hour. We are down to the last, like, two minutes. And, Bree, this has been such a memorable, fabulous year working with you. I cannot think of a better partner for this show. Uh, uh, so I feel the I same way. To- <laughs> I feel the same way. I, I have enjoyed every single, and it never feels like it's an hour. I know. I know. It feels like we've been just, you know, talking for five minutes. Exactly. Yet talking about so many things. So, yes. you know, let's give people a sneak preview on some of the some of the guests we have for next year. We're coming back on the air. We're taking December off for holidays because we do value our holiday time, too, and Breha and I both want to take good care of our families. That's right. So we're coming back on January 29th, and our first show of the year, we're going to be talking about a really important subject. Uh, we're going to be talking about doing launches for your business, and we are talking with the person to talk to, Annie Samilov of Fearless Launching. She is amazing, amazing. I adore her, so I'm very excited. But, Bree, why don't you tell tell some of the other names we have coming on? We are going to have James Wells. He is Yay. an amazingly gifted intuitive reader, tarot reader, teacher. Um, he just has, like, this – incredibly beautiful energy. Catherine Just, the photographer, she, um, I was actually, I just saw her name today because Danielle Laporte was talking about all of the beautiful glossy glam shots that Catherine Just took of her. And Catherine does the Soulful Summit as well as gorgeous pictures. Melissa Casera, PR expert.
expert, public relations guru. I love Melissa. She's going to have great, great information on how to get your name out there, um, how to build up relationships with the press. She's just so delightful. And she talked about Harry Potter in her latest newsletter. So hello. So awesome. We are also going to have Yolanda Faccio and... We are going to have astrologer Mystic Medusa. We will be having her, I think, probably sometime in the summer. So we have uh, an awesome lineup, and just so you guys know, Teresa and I have every single slot for next year booked because that's how on top of it we are. That's how dedicated we are to you guys. Yes, and the stuff that we're bringing forward this next year, our mission is to help you guys up your A-game, get confident with your businesses, and build businesses that you can be proud of. Because, you know, ultimately with our metaphysical industry, we are doing work that is very valuable. And just having a little help and a little advice so that you can move your stuff up to a business that you love and a business that supports you, that's what we're here for. So That's it. On that note, Bree, once again, I just love this year, and I cannot wait for next year. I know, me too. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. We've got so many good shows. And I love working with you. And people, where you can find me, I am Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. You can find me at www.thetarotlady.com. And, Bree, where can they find you? Everyone, I'm Bree Saucy, and you can find me at www.milagroroots.com. Thank you so much for sharing your evening with us. Some of you guys have been listening in since February. We love you so much. And, you know, let your light shine. This is, this is the time, and, and, you know, things are changing, and we have work to do here. So let's get cracking. That's awesome. Good night. Good night, everyone.